Um, in the wake of the resignation of Hockey Canada's CEO and Board of Directors today, I was wondering if you could say what, in your opinion, does Hockey Canada need to do to regain your trust and that of Canadians? Well, I think seeing uh, the entire board and the CEO step down is an important step forward. Uh, but there's a, ch a culture to change. There is an awful lot of work to ensure uh, that the structures and systems that Hockey Canada has in place uh, protects employees, protects Canadians, protects our kids as they play hockey. Uh, there's work to do to transform the culture at Hockey Canada, but today was an important first step. There we have it. The Prime Minister certainly ready for that. Uh, stepping down, step forward, a little bit of writing there. And we began the show with a, a hockey player also weighing in, sounding very, very prepared. Who's prepared for the future, though? Here we go. We finally have movement at the hockey board level. But now the work begins. And what kind of work? What else will we know? What should we know? What about other sports? Alison Forsyth joining us tonight, former Olympian, a safe sport advocate, and board member for Athletes Can. Alison, good evening. Good evening. Thank you for having me. What are you thinking here, Allison? You're following this story. You know this story, unfortunately. And now we're seeing all this movement from Hockey Canada, such a focus. It's, it kind of has the ability at least to be a template for what can happen here. How are you feeling tonight? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I'm um, a safe sport advocate, obviously, an abuse survivor, a mom of three hockey players, and now a safe sport professional. So I know the angle here in many different ways, but I think the big thing is what I also recognize uh, um, is the shift in the leadership at Hockey Canada will again take more time, which I believe is time we don't have. Um, and so much like you mentioned, other sports, you know, the landscape around safe sport right now in this country is very challenging. Um, and so it's really uh, going to be about how fast um, the changes can be made and just to really understand um, the gravity of the issues. You know, there's eight forms of maltreatment. And I know we're we're pretty, you know, we're pretty engrossed in sexual misconduct right now based on this scandal, dare I say. But we need to remember that there are eight forms of maltreatment that are nationally recognized under safe sport, including bullying, hazing, harassment, discrimination. And, and we do see those, um, unfortunately, across the board in many sports as well. Allison, as we we're all giving it time, we're giving it ink, we're giving it worry. And I, I mean, for me, it's just kind of hit inside reading those allegations, especially from 2003, this when they set, when they came out, it was pretty tough to read that. This is no small thing. Allison, is it going to be worth it? Do you see that there's potential here for not just consequences, but for some massive change? Yeah, so here's what we recognize in safe sport. You know, um, we work with many organizations. We have a company called ITP Sport, um, is that maltreatment is a progression from microaggressions, boundary transgressions, and um, like I heard Trudeau just mention, your Prime Minister, uh, toxicity in the culture. So um, what everyone needs to recognize is that the change is, is not just going to happen case by case. Um, and these, you know, young athletes that have, you know, perpetrated this level of abuse or athletes that are, you know, you know perpetrating abuse against each other or coaches against athletes, this is something that is ingrained in us as athletes and coaches from a very young age. So the shift needs to happen in, with our kids, um, with respect and kindness and integrity and ethics, um, and just not putting up with, you know, the old school way of sport. And I also just want to mention that, 
you know, Canada is not unique in this, not even close. And believe it or not, Canada is, you know, progressing their safe sport efforts more than many other countries because we're at least in the conversation and people are at least coming forward. There's many other countries where, you know, that all of this is still being very hidden. So we are in the work. It just, you know, it it obviously looks pretty bad right now before it will get better. Allison, how do you think it can get better here? You know, we've seen a lot of talking in all aspects of this, but you have to change it. And you can't just have people nodding heads. They have to believe it and change it. You know, you've just hit it. And it's tons of sports that respect that dominance of the coach, especially in male oriented sports. It's seen as everything. And then it transfers. And for women in sports, they're seen as following following that dominance how do you change it and then keep the competitiveness in sports at the same time yeah that's a great question because you know there is an inordinate amount of power that we put in certain positions of sports most notably head coaches or the coach Um, we give them the power that's on us that's on us as, as sport leaders and as society where we say you have control of my child you can do no wrong because you're the best quote unquote enter whatever sport, right? Whether it's a medal or a cup or whatever, we look as parents and as a sports society to what success means. And success means winning and success has been meant to be winning at all costs. So with that, what I'll share is also parents. We have a responsibility to, you know, really check ourselves and our behavior and ask ourselves, am I letting my child be treated in a way that I would not let their teacher treat them? So that's a good that's a good correlation, right? To just think about what would my expectations be of my child in school and how they're treated by the teacher, and then what am I putting up with, potentially for fear that my child won't make it to the Olympics or won't make the hockey team if I don't put up with the coach. Now, with the coaches, what I think is really important for everyone to understand is this is what the normalization of behavior looks like. Where if you are a coach and you were, you know, let's take hockey as the most poignant example right now, and you were coached a certain way, whether that was consistent and constant negative reinforcement, that toughen up method of coaching, which is re-perpetrated in the media every day. If that's the way that you were coached, then it's very common that if we don't break that cycle and really recognize that's not a healthy way to be coaching, that we, they will unintentionally continue to coach that way. So that's, that's big is we have to break the cycle of the normalization of behaviors and everybody has to say, you know what? maybe the way I have been doing this in the past as a parent and a coach is not healthy anymore and I'm going to shift. But with that, we also have to have grace and patience um, for that shift. So it's very complex, but I, you know, I I wouldn't be in this work if I didn't think it could happen. It is. It is very complex. And I think you've just done a, a very good job, especially even from an athlete's point of view, you give yourself over and it's seen as in so many ways that it means being a good athlete, that you can follow instruction and all those things matter. But then you really hand it over, don't you? Yeah, I was handed over. I mean, I was, you know, um, a victim of egregious abuse later in my teens. But I was, you know, my culture of alpine skiing was, you know, by 11 or 12, we were handed over to the best coach and, you know, lead Mm -hmm. my child. And that's not my parents' fault. That was the culture. What I see in hockey and what I see in a lot of these sports, um, you know, team sports, it's more, okay, the coach yelling and and the way that, you know, the athletes are being treated is just what is needed to win. So um, what we also need to know is that the athlete will take that and that's trauma 
um, that they're not recognizing. And then they'll start to play out of fear, um, out of, you know, fear of failure, fear out of disappointing their parents, fear of, you know, authorization or, you know, retribution. They'll just start playing and, and they don't do it anymore for the love of the sport. They do it based on unrealistic expectations and they're willing to put up with, um, you know, unfair and, and treatment and sometimes maltreatment and abuse. Um, I think many elite athletes could tell you the same story of things they put up with just for the sake of that gold medal or that cup. You got it. And it's seen as the means to an end. Allison Forsyth, former Olympian, safe sport advocate, board member for Athletes Can. Allison, thank you. You take care in all this. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Wow. You know, everybody who played sports or part of a sport, you're thinking about it now, aren't you? I know I rode horses for years and I'm thinking about it. Everybody's you're thinking about that trust and things that, you know, jump this fence, do it, even though you're scared or whatever, that coach bond. And then we hear the stories of when it's broken. I'm Arlene Bond and this is On Point.